0: the world is watching, we cannot and must not abandon the people of Afghanistan. The United States' abandonment of Afghanistan to the Taliban last August was grotesque, undignified and cynical. It was ordered by an administration which believed, probably correctly, that even among that rarefied portion of the American electorate who could point to Afghanistan on a globe, after 20 years of war, a hefty majority simply wished never to hear anything about the place again. Accordingly, a line was floated by both the American abandoners and the Taliban inheritors of Afghanistan that this time it might be different, up to a point. While nobody expected the Taliban to institute a liberal social democracy which would earn favorable comparisons with Sweden, everybody at least pretended to expect that this Taliban government would have to acknowledge that the Afghanistan of 2021 was not the Afghanistan they'd first seized control of around a quarter century previously. It is unarguably the case that two decades of US-led intervention changed Afghanistan, and largely for the better. With all due respect to the dreadful hardships borne by Afghanistan's people during those years, it is nevertheless the case that in 2021 more Afghans had more access to opportunity, more hope of prosperity, and more sense of security than was the case in 2001. Plus, Afghanistan in 2021 was connected to the outside world in a way unimaginable before 2001. Back then, to walk into Afghanistan from Pakistan at the border crossing at the end of the Khyber Pass was to feel like you were stepping off planet Earth. It was grimly confirmed this week, however, that two decades of fighting the US-led intervention in Afghanistan had not changed the Taliban. The Taliban's Ministry for the Prevention of Vice and Promotion of Virtue, essentially the Enforcement Division of their miserable, mean-spirited theocracy, announced the re-imposition of their signature strictures forbidding the public display of the female face. The order comes from the top, i.e. Hibatullah Akhundzada, leader of the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. Similar edicts made the Taliban infamous when they first took power in Afghanistan in the 1990s. The law mandating face covering for women was brutally enforced and therefore universally observed, though this reporter can recall the sound, both heartwarming and heartbreaking, of high heels clopping defiantly along Kabul footpaths beneath the mandatory dreary blue burqas of this period. It would be an exaggeration to report that after the Taliban were chased out of Kabul by the United States in late 2001, that there was a wholesale flinging aside of the burqa and other modest garb by Afghan women. But it is not an exaggeration to say that the rousting of the Taliban gave Afghan women more choices in deportment and in many other realms than they had enjoyed for some while. In the surreal days following the United States' departure from Afghanistan last August, during which the suddenly victorious Taliban seemed as confused and surprised as everyone else, the phrase Taliban 2.0 gained traction. This was the wistful thought that the Taliban might have lightened up a bit since they were last in town. Initially, at least, the Taliban seemed willing to play along somewhat. At their first press conference, after being allowed to saunter into Kabul, Taliban spokesman Zabi Hula Mujahid waffled vaguely about ensuring rights for women, albeit with various ominous riders about within certain limits and within our frameworks of Sharia. We have committed and we have guaranteed all the rights that have been afforded to women in Islam. That is their right to education, their right to health care, their right to work. And the process that the world wants us to take, we are taking them, we have seen progress in them. We now know, like there was much doubt, what those limits and frameworks are. The Taliban's new dress code for women is worth examining closely. The real stupidity and spite is in the detail. Women must dress in garments that fully cover their bodies, provided, and an actual grown man thought this through and wrote this down, provided that it is not too tight to represent the body parts, nor is it thin enough to reveal the body. If a woman exposes her face in public, goons from the Ministry for the Prevention of Vice and Promotion of Virtue may turn up at her home and have a word with her father or other closest male relative, who may then be liable to dismissal from their work or even imprisonment in the event of repeated infractions by their unruly womenfolk. We have been continuously losing our hope for life since the Taliban's return. First it was the closure of schools, universities and now the announcement of mandatory hijab. It is meaningless to live in Afghanistan. None of this is, or should be, surprising. It is just the latest step in an escalating crackdown on the menace the Taliban appear to believe that women pose. In recent weeks, teenage girls have been forbidden from school and public parks declared off-limits to women, except on designated days. Many women, except those employed in those fields of which the Taliban have a particular horrified incomprehension, healthcare and education, have been told they cannot go back to work. Women may not travel further than 72 kilometres, unaccompanied by a male relative. When pondering the reasons why the Taliban are pursuing this so ardently when the country they run has one or two more pressing concerns, it's possible to waste a lot of time and energy analysing it much past the conclusion that they're a bunch of ignorant, bullying hillbillies who don't like women very much. Plus, terrorising women is easy and doubtless gratifying, if you're that way inclined, whereas actual constructive governance is boring and difficult, and might involve reading. The question of what might be done to help Afghanistan's women is also, sadly, just as easily answered. As the Taliban will recall, nobody much cared the first time round before their houseguest attacked the United States. As long as they don't make that mistake again, they'll likely be left to it. For Monocle24, I'm Andrew Muller.